This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're at today. Uh, We're actually winding down our series entitled Alive Together. We've been going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse since the beginning of last year, really. Uh, This is message number 49 in our series. If you miss any so far, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org. We have a smartphone app. Uh, You can download to your your phone or your tablet, uh, listen into the messages that way as well. Whatever you do, stay caught up on these messages. Ephesians is a beautiful book because the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talk about who we are in Christ. We were once dead in our trespasses and sin, but we are now alive together because of Christ and what he's done for us. It talks about our standing before God, that we've been declared righteous, that we've been made sons and daughters, that we used to not have the promises of God because they were so far off, but now we've been brought near by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Uh, It talks about how we've been made a family uh, in Jesus and all that he's done for us. The last three chapters where we find ourselves today is very practical. A lot of uh, good instruction on how uh, last week we took a look at how we should behave ourselves in the workplace. The week before that, we took a look at how uh, we uh, handle our uh, things that arise in our home. Uh, end of Ephesians 5, talked about the husband-wife relationship and our responsibilities there. Very practical in, in uh, nature here. As we wind down here, we get to probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture, probably in all of the New Testament, where it talks about the armor of God. I don't have a counter. I've never sat down and counted it, but I'm sure probably more uh, uh, messages have been preached on the armor of God in the New Testament than probably any other passage in the New Testament. Uh, So rich in nature, so applicable to us, so practical in every way. And today we're going to kick that off. Uh, We'll spend the next two weeks taking a look at the armor of God. Today we're taking a look at preparing for spiritual battle. We'll start in verse number, um, let's see, uh, verse number 10 uh, this morning and go through verse number 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Preparation is critical. Uh, If you've ever uh, decided to run a race, uh, like a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon, you know that preparation is really important. Uh, There's some people who just kind of, on the day of the race, get up and decide that they want to go, which those people generally don't fare very well. Uh, The Honolulu Marathon uh, course uh, comes through here. uh, It comes down uh, 
Pequoy Street up here, uh, back out to Almona Boulevard and back down that way. So uh, sometimes I'll get up and at maybe 5.15 or so in the morning and catch all the runners as they're running past over here. It's usually about the two and a half mile, three mile mark over here uh, as, they, as they come around. Everybody's still fresh, everybody's excited, and I cheer them on, I give them a lot of high fives and a lot of thumbs up, and uh, all the Japanese tourists want to give you a shaka, and so you give them a shaka, and they all squeal and get really excited about that, and so that's always fun. Uh, and then there's always the people uh, towards the back that are, are, are just kind of walking it, and that's all okay, man, they're just out there to enjoy the day and finish it. The worst part is when you see kids who have obviously not prepared for this. Before they even make it to mile three, they're stumbling, they're kicking rocks, and they're asking their parents, is this almost over? You realize at that point it's going to be a very, very long day for everyone involved, right? Uh, You want to say, are we there yet when you're running 26.2 miles and you haven't even broken the third mile yet? It's going to be a really long day. But you see people out there that are very well prepared. I mean, they've got snacks, they've got snicker bars, they've got uh, a belt with, with snacks in there, they've got their, their pouch with all their hydration tools on there, they've got their, their hat, they've got their headphones, they've got their sunglasses. These people are prepared. And then you see the guys that are out there just wearing a pair of running shorts, no shirt, and you wonder, is this guy even going to make it? I saw a guy running it in slippers one time, and I thought to myself, this is not a good idea, right? It's not a good idea. But preparation is key. If you knew that you were going to go into battle, would you just kind of wake up and wing it, or would you want to prepare ahead of time? Uh, Most of our folks who are in the military will uh, leave generally sometimes six to eight, sometimes uh, uh, 10, 12 weeks at a time on what are called exercises. What do you do? You're preparing for what's coming ahead. In the event that something happens, we want to be well prepared. Uh, From time to time, these exercises will include uh, one person acting like there's a real threat and how we would respond to that threat. Preparing ourselves for what's coming down. The spiritual life is no different The difference between uh, preparing for a battle that may come and the spiritual life is the battle is already here. We're already engaged in battle, and you're either ready for it or you're not. And so Paul challenges the the, uh, church at Ephesus here in this passage. Guys, be prepared. Battle is already here. The fight is already on, and you need to be ready for that. You and I must prepare for spiritual battle. Again, you can wake up and wing it, but I'm telling you, the likelihood of you succeeding in spiritual battle when you just wake up and try to wing it or phone it in or hope that it all works out is slim to none. We have to be intentional in our preparation. As we read through the, the book of uh, Ephesians, I, I love this book. It's, it's so powerful. But if we take a look at verse number 10, he says, finally, my brethren, after I've said everything that there is to say, after I've talked about who we are in Jesus Christ, after I talk about what he's done for us, as we talk about the family that he's made us because of our faith in Christ, as we take a look at all of the practical aspects of what it means to be a Christian and how we live differently than the rest of the world because of who we are in Jesus Christ, finally, As we wrap this up, I want you to understand we're in a fight and I need you to be strong and I need you to stand and I don't want you to give up an inch and here's how we're gonna fight and we're gonna do this together because victory has already been secured by what Jesus Christ has done. I love reading through the uh, the Old Testament. It's a fascinating uh, story. And it's interesting when you read the Bible from the perspective that everything points to Jesus Christ, you'll, you'll get a new appreciation for the Bible. 
In the book of uh, Numbers, uh, I believe it's Numbers chapter 31, 32, somewhere along those lines, we find the children of Israel have to cross the Jordan River uh, to get into the promised land. And they know that once they cross the Jordan River, it's basically an act of war on their part, that they're going to be engaged in battle if they cross the Jordan River. But God's told them, just go ahead and go. I've already prepared the way for you. All you have to do is go over. There will be a fight, but you will win. Just go. And the children of Israel stand there on the, the banks of the Jordan kind of deliberating, like, should we go? Should we stay? Some people are like, ah, we got cows, and this land over here is really good for cows, and so I think we're just going to stay over here for a while. But God says, I need you to go. There will be a fight, but I promise you will win. Here's the thing about spiritual battle. There will be a fight, but God promises that you will win. You just have to, to follow his plan. You just have to do things according to God's word. As we take a look at the book of Ephesians, I love this. It, it talks through here uh, big themes in the book of Ephesians. His life is our life. His power is our power. His truth is our truth. His way is our way. His strength is our strength. That everything that Jesus Christ purchased for us on the cross is at our disposal to be used as we see fit. You see, we're not walking into the battle under-equipped. We're not walking into the battle hoping that we might be able to come out on the other side. We're going into the battle well-equipped. We're going to the, into the battle with the resources that come in Jesus Christ. And we're going in with the assurance of victory. Now, this does not mean, please understand, this does not mean that the spiritual battle will be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a walk in the park. If that were the case, it wouldn't be called battle. If there was not going to be conflict, it wouldn't be called battle. There will be conflict. It will be difficult. There will be periods where we get discouraged, where we get frustrated, where we're disappointed. But I'm telling you this, be faithful because it's worth it and because we've been promised victory. As we take a look at this passage, Paul challenges uh, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. You see, we need strength and power for the battle that lies ahead. Be strong. The, the Greek word that Paul uses for that word strong is where we get our word for dynamite. The power that's available to us comes from Jesus Christ and the strength that we need is not our own strength. This is not, hey, knuckle up and get it done. Uh, sometimes uh, my boys, it, it's fundraising boys, they said, Dad, this is hard. Yeah, I know it is. Knuckle up, son. Get it done. Quit crying. Be a man. Do it. This is not that kind of strength. Now, we, we need to put that in our boys. That's helpful for them. We need to help our, our boys become men. And life gets hard. You need to tell them, suck it up. Get through it. I know it hurts. Push harder. That's helpful. This is not that kind of strength. This is not the just uh, fake it till you make it. This is not just find inside of you this inner strength and, and be strong. It doesn't work that way. We're looking for a, a strength that's not our own because our own power is insufficient. I'm not strong enough to fight this fight on my own. I'm not strong enough to come out victorious in this battle. You are not strong enough to fight this fight in your own power. We need help. We need someone to come to our aid. And if you've got a, a good Christian friend that can encourage you and help you along the way, that's helpful. 
but you and another person are not strong enough to fight this battle on your own. We need a power that's much greater than our own. This is the power of Jesus, and it is available to us. If you're a child of God, this power is available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. His power is your power. Now, it's important to stop here for just a second and and delineate what that means. If you are a child of God, you've been adopted into the family of God, you are, uh, uh, inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the same power that, that rose Jesus Christ from the grave lives in every believer in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's important, that's big stuff. But there was a time where we had no power. We were born into, not the family of God, we were born into the enemies of God. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Because you and I have sinned against the Holy God and we've gone against his plans, we've gone against his word, we have sinned against God and we have chosen to be on the opposing team in the spiritual battle. So think of it this way. There's a spiritual battle going on and you and I were fighting on the wrong side. The Bible says we were the, Romans chapter five, the enemies of God. You picked a side from the beginning and it was the wrong side. And let me just tell you this, if you are on the opposite side of God, you will not win, ever. You might say, well, I know so-and-so, they're, they're, they're against God, or they don't believe in God, and they're, they're doing all right. Hey, it's only a matter of time before the wheels come off of that and it all falls apart. You cannot oppose God and win. But we were born in opposition to God. Some of you might be here today in opposition to God because you've chosen to go your own way and do your own thing and and work it out ever how you choose to. And the Bible says the wages of your sin is death. The consequences of my sin, the consequences for your sin is death, separation from God. And not just a physical death, an eternal death that comes when we die and spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. It's, it's the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to anyone. But that's what we deserve. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. That We deserve to be separated from God to pay for our sins. Now, if the only way you and I can pay for our sins is to die and be separated from God, that would be a terrible thing. But God made a way for you and I to be saved from our sin. Somebody else has to pay. So you're not gonna pay, I'm not gonna pay, somebody else has to pay for us. Now, this church cannot pay for you. Baptism cannot wash away your sins. You can't do enough good stuff to pay for your sins. Someone must pay. Now, I can't pay for your sin because I have my own sin to pay for. You couldn't pay for my sin even if you wanted to because you have sin you must pay for. There must be one who has come who has no sin, who could take their perfect life and give it as a ransom payment for my sin and yours. And the beautiful thing is that man's name was Jesus. Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in it while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I deserve to die, Jesus died in my place. You deserve to die, Jesus died in your place. The whole world is condemned to die and be separated from God, but Jesus died in their place. But you've got to make a choice. It's a decision for you to make. I can't make it for you. The Bible says that every person must decide what they will do with Jesus Christ. You must make a decision to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus to be saved. He's the only hope that you have. You cannot save yourself. 
No church can save you. No religious works can save you. Only Jesus can save. And if there's never been a time in your life where you have been saved, where you have been born again, it's a, it's a one point in time in your life where you recognize your sinful condition, you repent of your sin, and you turn your sin over to Jesus for forgiveness. And you've got to do that. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 3, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only hope that you have. And if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, and you do not know for sure that your sins are forgiven, please do not leave here until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. Because if you're not a child of God, let me just tell you this, you're fighting this battle on the wrong side. If you're not a child of God, you're in a spiritual battle, okay? You're just on the wrong team, and you're fighting against God. And again, that will not work. It will not last. There will come a day where you will be crushed under the wrath of God if you're in opposition to him. That's just what the Bible says. So it's best to be on the right team, and that's God's team. It's best to be in the right family, that's God's family. It's best to be fighting with the people who are gonna win. I don't know about you, but I hate losing anything. We play tic-tac-toe with my kids and I try to cheat because I don't wanna lose, right? I hate losing. But here's the thing. Losing a tic-tac-toe or losing in a game of 21 or something like that is nothing compared to losing your soul for all of eternity. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, please know that beyond a shadow of a doubt before you leave here today. Otherwise, you're fighting the spiritual battle on the wrong side. But if you're a child of God, the Bible says that the power that Jesus has is available to you. Be strong. Take a look at verse number 10 again. Finally, my brethren, be strong, not in your own strength, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Turn a few pages back in your Bible in the book of Ephesians, to Ephesians chapter one, if you would, verse number 19. Ephesians 1, 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to who? Usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. And it put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Hey, Jesus is all powerful. Jesus has a name that's more powerful than any other name that's ever been named. Every single thing in this world is subject to his power. And where does he give that power to? The Bible says, usward. I get Jesus's power. The power that's available in Christ is mine for the taking. So when it comes to this matter of spiritual battle, I'm not fighting in my own power. I'm not just going to wake up tomorrow morning and try to do better. And I guess I'll try to, to, to work harder. Or I guess I'll try to not mess up so much. No, 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 no. You will fail in your own power. You need the power that comes it's available to you through Jesus Christ. These verses are in your notes here. Romans chapter one, verse number 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel has come to give you not only forgiveness of your sins, but to give you the power of Jesus Christ at your disposal for every single day. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are safe, it is the power of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So this power that Jesus Christ has, he says, hey, it's yours. Let's get this fight done. When you wake up tomorrow morning, the spiritual battle has already been going. You're just getting up and getting in the battle yourself and you can't do it in your own power. You need strength. But you see, strengthening is a process. You just don't automatically get strong. It's a process that we have to go through. The power, oh, it's available to you, but how to use it, how to be strengthened, that's a different story. I like to go to the gym, I like to work out, I like to lift heavy stuff, uh, that's fun to me. But you know what, you can't just walk into the gym off the street uh, for the first time and, I don't know, say deadlift 400 pounds, it just doesn't work that way. You've gotta build up to it. You can't walk out tomorrow morning and get up out of the bed and take on the devil in your own power just because you went to church one time. It just doesn't work that way, you gotta build up to it. It's a strengthening process. This word to be strengthened or to be strong is not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing that we have to do. I have to strengthen myself with the Lord's power every single day. And let me just tell you this. When I skip my preparation time, when I skip my strength training in the word, let me just tell you this. I'm weak. I'm weak. Temptation comes my way and I can't fight the way that I used to. It's like Superman with kryptonite. Like, you had this strength available to you, but it's gone because I didn't take time to be strengthened. I didn't take time to be strong. That's why I gotta be in the Word every single day. I gotta be in prayer every single day. I gotta be around solid Christian friends that are gonna help me and encourage me in my walk every single day. I've gotta surround myself with people that are going the same direction as I am every single day. I need to be in church every time the doors are open because I need to be with God's people who are the only hope that I have for staying in this fight because these are the people that are fighting the fight with me every single day. Some of you, you're the only Christian in your whole workplace. And sometimes you feel like you're fighting this battle by yourself. Why bother? Nobody else is going the direction I am. Nobody else is doing what I want to. That's why you need to be around people that are going the same direction as you are. I hope it's encouraging for you to sit in a room like this and realize I'm not alone. I have people to my left and to my right who are going through the same things I'm going through, that are struggling with the same temptations that I struggle with, that are losing against the same sins that I'm losing against, but they're here and they want to be better prepared for the battle that lies ahead. The people in this room are not perfect. None of us, this guy included. Every single one of us are fighting a battle and some days we're stronger than others. But at the end of the day, the victory has been promised to us and it's not by our own power. It's the power that comes through Jesus Christ. Next in this passage, we see we need to be outfitted appropriately to stand against the enemy. Take a look at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it says here, put on the whole armor of God. 
because it's giving you a command to do this, you need to understand this is not automatic. This is kind of, it's not optional because it's a command to us, but you have to choose to put on the armor of God. Excuse me. You have to choose to put on the armor of God. You have to choose to be prepared. Preparation for the battle is our responsibility. God's given you all the tools that you need. We'll take a look at those next week. We take a look at the, the belt of truth or, or the girdle of truth, the gird, gird up our loins of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Those things have been given to us. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We'll take a look at that. But all these things are things that are just sitting there waiting to be used, and you and I have to choose to put them on. It's, I, I can't do it for you. I can't prepare you for the battle. You have to choose to do that yourself. I can give you the tools you need. When we gather together every single Sunday, every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, we talk through the Bible, what the Bible says and how it applies to our lives. And, 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 but I'm giving you tools. You have to choose to use them. I'm pointing you the right direction, but you have to choose to walk that direction. I'm giving you a map, and you've got to choose to walk the path. It's always... It's always funny to me, people say, oh, Pastor, you, you've been such a blessing to me. You've done so much for me. You, you know, I'm so thankful for, to have you in my life. I'm, praise God for that. But let me just tell you this. I gave you a map and told you to walk, and you chose to walk the path. That's it. If you're experiencing God's blessings in your life because of what the Bible says, I don't get credit for that. God gets credit for it. Just do things God's way. It always works out. But you have to choose to walk that path. Now, there's some people in this room here this morning that are choosing to walk the path when it's convenient for them. Oh, I want God's promises when I go through a rough spot. I want God's promises when my, my uh, wife gets some test results that we weren't expecting. I want God's promises when my kids are maybe misbehaving or when my kids didn't get into the school that we wanted to. I want God's promises. I want God's promises when my marriage is on the rocks. I want God's promises when my finances are messed up. I want God's promises when I didn't get promoted at work. I want to put on the armor of God when I'm going through a tough time, but when things are good, I think I can just take this armor off and set it to the side for a minute because life's good right now. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where things have been going so well that I didn't need to pray. Have you ever been there before? Just everything's good. Everything's falling in place. Kids are healthy. Marriage is good. Bills are paid. Why pray, right? Friend, please do not fall into that trap. You need prayer more when things are going well. But he that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. You think you got it all together? You need to check your heart because you're fixing to fall. We never outgrow the armor of God. We never no longer have a need for this. Well, I, I used to struggle with pornography and I don't struggle with that anymore, so I don't need the armor of God anymore. Oh, friend, you need the armor of God worse than you've ever needed in your entire life. Well, I used to struggle with, with, with foul language and I don't struggle with that anymore, so I don't need the armor of God anymore. Oh, friend, you need it. I don't struggle with a wondering eye anymore. I don't need the armor. Oh, you need it every single day. And the second that you get fat, dumb, and happy and think you don't need to prepare for battle anymore is the second you're gonna get taken out. Because just know the devil's waiting for an opportunity, just waiting for an opportunity. And the fight is not gonna start one day. The fight's already on. It's already taking place. You're already in the middle of it whether you know it or not. And you need to be ready. Since we're always in battle, we must stay prepared and engaged. This idea of preparing for spiritual battle, you don't get an off-season. There's no off-season in the spiritual battle. 
There's never a time where we can kind of kick back and relax. There's no time that like, oh, well, I guess the spiritual battle will fire back up in a couple of months and we'll deal with that. No, it's already on and we have to stay engaged and we have to stay prepared all the time. I'm encouraged for folks who are here on vacation who come to church. That always encourages my heart. Like, I'm away, I get some time to relax, but I don't want to miss out on my time with God. That's important. But I think you know what that heart says? I can't afford not to be with God's people. It's where I want to be. It's a place where I can be connected to the body of Christ because I need to be engaged. You see, we have to be able to hold our position before we can advance. Take a look at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word stand there means to hold a position and not give up an inch. It means to take our position and we're not going to retreat any. We're going to stand where we are so that we can advance. Have you ever heard the, story, the, uh, the phrase, one step forward, two steps back? That's the opposite of standing. Standing says, I'm going to keep this line right here. I'm not going to give up an inch so that I can continue to push forward. I worry about Christians who feel like they can uh, have achieved a good spot in their Christian life and they can just kind of put it in neutral for a little bit and coast. Friend, you cannot coast on the victories of last year. You cannot coast on the victories of 10 years ago. You can't coast on yesterday's victory. You need to be engaged in the battle today. Sometimes I'll talk with folks and I say, hey, uh, tell me about your walk with Christ. Oh, things are good, you know. I was in a really good uh, uh, program when I was in college, and, you know, a college Bible study, and a bunch of us got together, and we really prayed every night and read the Bible every day. We shared our faith and stuff like that. Okay, what are you doing now? Well, you know, I just, I had a really strong foundation in college. That's just kind of taken me through the rest of my life. Oh, no, 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 no. Foundation, that was the right word. Now we've got to build on that foundation. The Christian life, you never get to a point where you're just like, I think I'm good for the rest of the battle. I don't think I need to prepare anymore. I think I'm pretty strong. I'm strong enough that I should be able to just kind of coast from here. It doesn't work that way. Any of you guys uh, or gals that do any type of strength training, you'll know that your physical fitness level doesn't just maintain itself. The older that you get, the harder it is. Unless you stay engaged. Unless you continue to prepare now, if I'm going to continue to stay prepared, I can actually advance. But if I'm just coasting and hoping that my past victories can help me, I'm giving up ground to the devil, and I can't afford to give up ground to the devil. You see, we need clarity as to who and what we're fighting against. Take a look at verse number 11 again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Before we can fight, we need to know who our enemy is. You ever played a, a pickup game of basketball before and you forget who's on your team? You're just like, oh, that guy was on my team last, time, last game we played, and I forgot. It's always frustrating to not know who you're playing with, right? And so it's always helpful if you can play, like, with guys, obviously, shirts and skins or something like that. That's helpful. Uh, but if you want to have, like, practice jerseys and stuff like that, always know who's on your team. That's important. But to not know who the enemy is, to be confused as far as who we're fighting against, that brings confusion on the battlefield. 
Who are we really fighting against here? Who is the enemy? Satan is the enemy. Mark that one down. The devil is your enemy. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, my boss is my enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. My neighbor, they were the first one to put up their Christmas lights, but in June, they can't even take them down. Your neighbors are not your enemy, okay? Hey, let me help you with this. Your spouse is not your enemy. The devil's your enemy. It's important that we keep the enemy in focus. And the Bible says, verse number 11, that we need to be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. We need to know what the devil's coming at us with, what tactics he's using, because the enemy does not fight fairly. The devil doesn't wait until you're ready. One of the things I used to, to love to do when, with my kids is uh, we used to thumb wrestle. And I love thumb wrestling. You go, what did you go? And you pin them. You go, I wasn't ready. Well, you better always be ready, right? It's teaching kids lessons, right? Always be ready, right? Or you play basketball and you, you throw the ball and they throw it back to you and you shoot and they're like, I wasn't ready. Always be ready, right? The devil doesn't wait till you're ready. You're not gonna get to wake up tomorrow morning, brush your teeth, have your first cup of coffee, check your email, get your stuff together, walk out the door and go, okay, I think I'm ready to fight now. No, the devil's not gonna wait. You're gonna wake up and the battle's already been going on and, and you don't know nothing about it. <laughs> Some of you, you're gonna open up your inbox and the devil's already fighting you. You're gonna roll out of bed and the devil's already fighting you. The devil doesn't fight fairly. I can't tell you how many people have been on their way to church and have the transmission go out in their car. It happens. How many of you have ever been on your way to church and you had a kid throw up or you even got to church and had a kid throw up, right? How many parents have ever had that happen to you, right? Any other day of the week, nope, they're good, they're healthy, they're fine. Any other day of the week, Sunday, oh no, not gonna happen on Sunday, why? The devil doesn't fight fairly. The devil can't wait till Monday morning for your, your tire to go flat. He can't wait till Monday morning for everything in the house to fall apart. He can't wait till Monday morning for the dog to throw up everywhere or to chew up the sofa. No, 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 it has to be done on Sunday morning because he doesn't fight fairly. So we need to understand the tactics of the devil so that we can be prepared for that. Uh, just a, a few that I threw in your notes here this morning. First of all, disinformation. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. He's the king of disinformation. He's a deceiver, the Bible tells us. He mixes enough truth with error to get you off track, and he's the king of disinformation, and the king of deception is another one of his tactics. You see, deception is different than lying. Deception gets our emotions involved. Deception begins to pull at our heart to get us to believe a lie. And the devil is a deceiver. He'll mess with your emotions. That's why the, the most foolish, foolish advice you can ever receive is just trust your heart. Your heart will never lead you astray. Are you kidding me? My feelings and emotions change within 30 minutes. It starts raining outside. Man, my, my, my heart changes. I want to drink a cup of coffee. I want to go sit on the couch. I want to watch Netflix. I want to take a nap. It's sunny outside. I just want to go outside and praise God and go for a run or maybe go to the beach or sit and just get a tan, right? What, what changed? The weather. My emotions change with the weather. I can't trust my emotions. And the devil is a deceiver and he knows your heart and he knows your emotions and he knows where to catch you. Don't fall, trap, don't fall into the trap. Next, distraction. 
This is when you take your eyes off of what's really important and focus on the short term. This is short-term thinking, deception. I'm sorry, distraction. Distraction causes me to take my eyes off of what's really important and focus on the things that really aren't all that important. This is the person who takes their focus off of building a family for the next decades, to building boys into men, to building girls into women. They put their focus off of that onto what I want. The hardest part is to sit across the table from someone who's struggling in their marriage and challenge them, don't think about what you want this week. Think about what you want 20 years from now. Think about what you want for your kids 40 years from now. Stop thinking about what you want today, tomorrow, and the next day. But the devil, he's the king of that. Distraction. Well, what if one day never comes? What if not, don't I deserve to be happy today? Why do I have to wait 20 years from now to be happy? Distraction. Go back to what's important. Focus on what is true. Another tactic of the devil, confusion. The Bible says that God's not the author of confusion. So who is the author of confusion? The devil. You go back to the Garden of Eden, the first words we hear the devil say. Did God really say that? No. I think you misunderstood what he said. Deception, confusion, disinformation, doubt. God wants us to be full of faith. God wants us to trust his word. The devil wants you to doubt. Again, did God really say that? One of the most foolish things I've ever heard somebody say, well, if I follow God's word, I won't be happy. And doesn't God God want me to be happy? Show me a single verse in the Bible where God commands you to be happy. I can't show you one. I can show you a dozen where God commands you to be obedient. I can show you a dozen where if you do uh, are obedient to God's word, you will find joy, which is greater than happiness. I can show you that all day. But again, short-term thinking says, well, I deserve to be happy. Well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Next, discouragement. This is a trick of the devil. Have you ever done the right thing and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, and you begin to question, why did I even do the right thing? I tried to be honest. I tried to walk with integrity. I tried to do the right thing, and this is the repayment that I get, and that can be discouraging sometimes. And the devil's the king of discouragement. And sometimes discouragement comes from places you wouldn't expect it. How many people in this room, raise your hand. This is a family poll that we have going on here. How many people in this room have ever been discouraged by another Christian? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, either you're not being honest or you don't know Christians uh, because they're going to discourage you. Simple as that. Isn't that the craziest thing? Like, wait a minute. You're supposed to be with me in this fight. Why are you discouraging me in this fight? Wait, you're supposed to be my brother and my sister. Why are you discouraging me? Hey, I'm trying to do the right thing. Why are you trying to encourage me to do the wrong thing? Are you kidding me? It's a trick of the devil. It's a trap. Don't run into it. Because you know what? That's why the Bible says we cannot put our faith in men. They're going to let us down. They're going to discourage us. Some of you that raised your hand might have raised your hand because I discouraged you. Know this. I love you and I'm sorry for it. Please forgive me. And if I've done something wrong, I really want to make it right. But I'm not perfect and I will do things that will discourage you. You cannot trust in me. You can only trust in the Lord. He's faithful. Another trick of the devil is depression. Depression comes when we have lost all hope. 
Things have gotten dark and they will never get bright again. Things will get dark, have gotten dark, and there is no hope. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no happy day. There is no sun shining through the clouds. It's just all dark and all I can see is darkness for as long as I can see. And I've given up all hope. Know this, it's a trick of the devil. Don't buy into it. As long as Jesus is on the throne, there is always hope. Always. Guaranteed. But the devil wants you to say, it's hopeless. Friend, when you ever find yourself in a place like this, reach out. Call me. Send me an email. Send me a text message. In the bulletin every week is my email, my cell number. Call me. If you find yourself in this place of no hope, please understand, it's okay to be discouraged. It's part of life. It's a human emotion. You can't live in discouragement, though. It's okay to be depressed. There's been times in my life where I felt I have no hope whatsoever, but you can't live there. It can't last a couple days, couple weeks, couple months, couple years. It needs to last like a couple of minutes until you can smack yourself in the head and say, hey, Jesus is still in charge with his help and his power. I've got everything that I need. And if you can't bring yourself to get out of that hole, please reach out. That's why this church exists, to help you to fight the spiritual battle and win because you've already been given the victory. And if you live in discouragement and depression, you have fallen prey to the enemy. He's got you right where he wants you. You can't live there. We need to know who our enemy is. Satan has a hierarchy of demons that work on his behalf. When Satan rebelled in heaven, cast out with him were the fallen angels. Now, sometimes people think that the devil lives in hell with all of his demons that are down there and they're running the show in hell. Know this, they're not in hell. They're here on this earth. Satan is going to hell one day and he's not gonna be running the show. He will be tormented, the Bible says, day and night. Read the book of Revelation, it's all there. Satan will go to hell one day and he will be under the wrath of God for all of eternity. When Satan goes to hell, he's not gonna be running anything, that's for sure. And his demons will also be under God's wrath for all of eternity as well. So in the meantime, you know where the devil and his demons are? They're here. And that's what verse number, uh, verse number 12 is talking about. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, my enemy is not any person who's alive that I can see, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our enemy. That's who we fight against. And you say, well, well, I know somebody at my workplace that, that is anti-God. I know somebody that every time I bring up church or I bring up the name of the Lord or I put my Bible on my desk, they're like, oh. That person's my enemy. No, they're not. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, there, there's governments in this world that are anti-Christ. I know. There are places in the world where it's illegal to be a Christian. I know. Places in the world where it's illegal to own a copy of the Bible. I know. Places in the world where it's illegal to share your faith with another person. I know. Those people are not our enemies, though. We're fighting against the devil and the demons that run the show. You see, those who oppose God and his rule have simply fallen prey to satanic delusion. Any religion in this world that says you have to do something to go to heaven is a false religion. Bottom line. The Bible says Jesus Christ has done all the work. It requires your faith and repentance 
and you get to go to heaven. Born again, child of God, saved. So any religion, any religion in this world that says do all this stuff and then hopefully you'll get to heaven one day is a false religion. Those false religions, I'm gonna say this and it's gonna be really heavy for some of you this morning. Those false religions are, are you ready for the big word? Satanic. <gasps> Did you just say that there are satanic religions? I say every religion that leads you away from the truth is satanic in nature. The Bible says the devil is the father of all lies. And let me ask you this question. Who wants to take the focus off of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross as payment for the sins of mankind and put the focus not on Jesus, but put the focus on me and how good I am? Who wants to do that? Is it God? No. Is it God the Son, Jesus Christ? No. Is it God the Holy Spirit? Definitely not. Jesus even says in John chapter 14, 15, he says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, is gonna tell people about me. Holy Spirit wants us to look at Jesus. God the Father wants us to look to Jesus. Jesus Christ wants us to look to Jesus. Who wants us to look at us? Not God. The devil. The devil wants me to have a report card of how good I am and hope that that's good enough to maybe make it to heaven one day. The devil wants my report card to stack up against your report card and see that I'm better than you. And I get to go to heaven because I'm not as bad as you. That's not of God, that's of the devil, it's satanic. And so our enemy is not the people who propagate false religion. Our enemy is the devil himself because he's the father of all lies. Angela and I were coming around um, Canal Street, hanging right at Canal Street onto Pensacola Street right up here and not even a mile from our church. It's a Jehovah's Witness uh, Kingdom Hall there on the corner. Around the corner, it's probably 9.30 or so on a Friday night. And there were two ladies, actually three ladies, probably in their 60s or 70s with satchels full of materials, got loaded up. And they were walking out back to their car. And we rounded that corner, and Angela said, that's so sad. Because here's these ladies are getting all their materials for Saturday morning. Because they're going to go out Saturday morning and pass out their, their magazines. And they're going to hope that maybe they'll make it to heaven. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, only 144,000 people are going to heaven. And if you're not in the top 144,000, you don't make it. So you know what they actually do? I'm not making this up. They actually have logs where you sign in how many hours you put in this week. Because if you put in 10 hours and I put in eight, you're ahead of me on the, on the pecking list. So next week, I'm gonna try to get 12 so that I can beat your 10. Isn't that crazy? Again, it's performance-based. How good am I? Will I make it? Will I be good enough? That's not of the Lord. God says, here's what God says. You're not good enough. You will never make it. You will never be good enough in your own power. Stop trying. Put your faith in Jesus Christ because he is enough. Jesus Christ is always enough. In this battle, you can't fight it on your own because you are outmatched against the devil on your own. Think about it this way. The devil has been around since the beginning of creation. On this earth, earth was created, the devil was there. So the devil has thousands of years experience with human beings like you and I. He's far wiser than you and I are in our own wisdom. He's, he's ahead of the game. He's, he's, he's played this game before and he has won plenty of times. So you and I are not capable of fighting in our own power. 
But the good news is this isn't a fair fight. I'm not fighting in my own power. I'm fighting in the Lord's power. And that makes this an incredibly unfair fight because the devil is no match for Jesus Christ's power. This is embarrassing how easy it is to defeat the devil because I have all the power that I need available at my disposal. It's almost not even a fight against the devil because of the power that I have available. I like to, to wrestle with my boys, part of a rite of passage. If you have boys, you gotta wrestle with them, got to. Uh, and so my boys to this day still can't beat their dad because I'm tough. I said, maybe when I'm like 90 and in a wheelchair, you might be able to get over on me for a couple of minutes, but I'm still going to win because I'm tougher than you. Always will be. But there was a time when they were little where I would let them win, right? I'm powerful enough that this isn't even fun. It's not even fair. I'm going to let them win. I know that I could beat them, but I'm going to let them win. This is almost like us fighting with the devil. We have all the power that we need at our disposal, and if he wins, it's because we let him win. Because we didn't make use of the power that we had, because we didn't spend time in preparation, or because we just didn't want to fight. When you get tempted with pornography, and you just want to run to your phone or your tablet or your computer, and you think nobody's going to know, just know this. If you give in to that, it's only because you choose to, not because you don't have the power that you need. You say, oh, power up. Pastor, I'm addicted. I, this, this sin has power over me. Read Romans chapter 6. It says sin has no power over you any longer. If you have sin that you're hanging on to, it's because you choose to keep your sin. And let me just tell you this. You're not fighting in the power that you've been given. You're allowing yourself to be defeated by someone who is far inferior to the power that you have at your disposal. The Bible says in uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, uh, 4 verse number 4, you're of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Not even a fair fight. You have the power of God at your disposal to fight this battle. Let's fight. Stop rolling over. Stop giving up. Stop throwing up the surrender flag every time sin comes your way. Fight. It's worth it. And you've been promised victory over it as well. Final thoughts this morning. How do we stand in Jesus' power? First and foremost, death to the flesh. Your flesh has got to die. The longer that you think you have it handled, the longer that you think you're strong enough, the longer sin will have power over you. The longer you will be defeated if you think you've got this on your own. I've talked to Christians before. I've been, hey, I'd like to invite you to our church. Well, I worship at home by myself. Mm. Not the best place to prepare. Can you imagine our military guys going on an exercise by themselves? Yeah, we're going out for some training in the field. Great. How many of you guys are going? Just me. Is that like seer training or something like that? Or is it like survival training? Nope, just going out to train by myself. It doesn't really work that way. You know why? Because I need people training with me to help make me better, to make me stronger. I can't stand in my own power. I cannot stand in my own flesh. Second way, most underutilized resource Christians have, prayer. Just reading through the book of Luke this morning. And Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Just continue to ask. 
Jesus was actually telling uh, a story about a man who had a friend who came over at midnight. He knocked on his friend's door and said, hey, I got a friend coming in from out of town. I need some food. And he says, beat it. My kids are asleep. I'm tired. I'm going back to bed. Don't knock on my door again. And the guy comes over, he knocks again. He says, no, I need some food. He says, finally, he gave it to him because of his importunity, the fact that he would not give up. Finally, the guy says, take whatever you want. Just leave me alone. And Jesus was drawing a parallel there of how we're to come to our Father and not ask one time, but continue to ask. If you're fighting this spiritual battle and you're failing, pray about it. Ask for God's power. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I claim the power that's given to me by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the empty tomb to overcome this temptation, to overcome this sin, to claim victory in this spiritual battle. Prayer. No, you just don't do it. Ask me, why don't you pray? Well, I'm busy. I don't know anybody who's not busy. And if you say, I'm not really busy, let me know. I've got about 100 things on my to-do list that I haven't gotten done yet, okay? Everybody's busy. Well, I, I just don't have the time. Everybody can make the time to pray. I was talking with some men yesterday. I told them, 45 seconds in prayer is better than zero seconds in prayer. Sometimes we think, well, I don't have an hour and a half to sit down and pray. Nobody said you had to pray for an hour and a half. I'm talking about spend five minutes. Can you take five minutes? Can you pray maybe just while brushing your teeth? I'm gonna pray while I brush my teeth. Hopefully you brush your teeth. That would be a good thing, right? I'm talking about start somewhere. Prayer. Next, knowledge and obedience to the word. I need to know what the Bible says and I need to do what it says. Again, God has given me a field manual for spiritual battle. If I choose to do it my own way, I cannot expect to win. I need to know what the Bible says. I need to do what the Bible says. Next, faith in the promises of God. You know how many times I find Christians don't walk in the promises of God because they don't know the promises of God? Isn't that a terrible thing, the fact that God's promised you everything that you need to live this life and to have victory, and many times we don't claim the promises that are given to us because we just don't know them? Final thought, stand with others in the fight. This is why I believe that the local church is so critically important because you're in a room full of people who are in the battle with you. We're standing on the front lines with you. Some people were under fire this week and are really struggling if you're here today and that's you, I want you to know we're with you in this battle. Some people are fighting this battle and they're winning, like hard, winning hard. Good for you. We, we, we celebrate your victories with you. And we would encourage you, as you win, bring other brothers and sisters with you on the path to victory. There's some people in this room that are flat out losing. You're fighting the battle and you're losing. Friend, don't live there. You have all the resources you need at your disposal to win we want you to win. When you fail, it hurts the whole team. Don't, don't live in failure. Live on the victory side. We've been promised victory. We're gonna take a look over the next two weeks at the resources we've been given to fight this battle and win. But the first thing is preparation. You know, many times the preparation for the battle, you know where it starts? Right here, in your heart. That's where preparation starts. And some of you in your heart, you're already defeated before you even try. Some of you have said things like, you know what, I've tried. I've done this before. I've gone to church, I've read the Bible, and it just didn't work. Your heart is already defeated before you ever even step onto the battlefield. 
And as, as fire, as bullets whiz past your head, you're thinking to yourself, I'm never going to make it. You're, you have a defeated mindset that's not in line with the promises of God's word. God's word says you have every resource at your disposal to make it. Most important thing in the world here is today. If you're here today and you're not for sure that you're saved, you're not 100% sure if you died that heaven's your home, there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. Friend, you are on the enemy's side, but we welcome you here. But we want to invite you to come over to the winning side. You cannot fight this battle on your own. You will lose. But God has made a way for you to come over and join his family through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't leave here until you know for sure that's done. For the rest of us that are children of God, this week is a week of victory for us. And we're going to win because we've been given the resources we need for victory. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.